Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Come Follow Me, a Disciple's Journey. This episode, we will be discussing chapter 14 of Helaman. So it's a continuation of Samuel's prophecy to the Nephites. And man, this is where he really gets super specific. So I'm going to start with some of his specific um, prophecies. So he says, that in, this is where he says, the teaches about what's going to happen when the when Christ is born, so what signs you're going to see. He also teaches them what signs they're going to see at his death. And he also tells them that it's going to be in five years that he's going to be born. He's got, he gets very specific. So here are some of the uh, specific prophecies from this chapter. So his birth is going to be in five years. Uh, no darkness the night before the birth. There will be a new star. Uh, he says many signs and wonders in, in the heavens. All the people will be amazed and fall to the earth. Uh, he preaches about his death, that the sun will be darkened for three days. Thunder, lightning, and earthquakes will be will immediately follow. The earth will be broken up. There will be storms and tempests, and mountains will be made valleys, and valleys will be made mountains. Uh, highways and cities will be destroyed. And the graves will open and resurrected saints will come uh, minister to people. So for the um, fulfillment of the prophecies about the, uh, the birth of Christ, uh, basically next week in chapter 1 of Third Nephi, we'll cover just about all of them. Actually, in chapter 16 of this week, we get, there are, there begin to be many signs and wonders. And so that's the beginning of the fulfillment of part of that prophecy. Um, And then the fulfillment of the prophecies about surrounding the Savior's death are all in 3 Nephi chapter 8, basically. Um, With one curious exception, and that is that uh, the graves being opened and resurrected saints appearing... We don't get that um, told to us that that happened until 3 Nephi chapter 23, uh, when the Savior is there, he calls Nephi in up and says, "Hey, I'm looking through your records, and didn't I? Didn't you? Didn't wasn't it prophesied? Didn't Samuel the Lamanite prophesy that graves would be opened? And didn't that happen? And you guys know that that happened. You've witnessed that. We need to write that down. And so then they go and they write it down. Then. Uh, so just curiously that, that fulfillment wasn't recorded, um, until later when the savior specifically directed them to make sure that it got recorded. And I mean, I think there's many reasons for that, but for, for one, we get to see that all of Samuel's prophecies are fulfilled. Uh, we get to see that in five years, the savior did come and all of the things that surrounded his birth did happen. We get to see that. Uh, the Savior was killed, and when he was crucified and, and died, all of the things that Samuel said were going to happen surrounding that did happen. We get to see, we as we're studying the Book of Mormon, we get to see that the people didn't repent when they needed to, and that 400 years from Samuel's time, that the destruction of the Nephites was complete. So everything that Samuel prophesied uh, was fulfilled. 
So last episode and in chapter 13, I focused a lot on repentance. And so I want to pick up with that thought here because in verse 11, it says, And you shall hear my words, for for this intent have I come up upon the walls of the city, that you might hear and know of the judgments of God, which do await you because of your iniquities, and also that you might know the conditions of repentance. So Samuel came, and the reason he came, and the reason he wanted the people to hear his words is so that they would know the conditions of repentance. Back in chapter 13, we talked about, and we discussed, and we read, that repentance is protection. Repentance is joy. Well, what are the conditions then of joy? What are the conditions of that of that protection? Uh, Elder Richard G. Scott taught these things about the conditions of repentance. Uh, in the miracle of forgiveness, Spencer W. Kimball gives a superb guidance to forgiveness and through and to forgiveness through repentance. It has helped many find their way back. He identifies five essential elements. Number one, sorrow for sin. Study and ponder to determine how serious the Lord defines your transgression to be. That will bring healing, sorrow, and remorse. It will also bring a sincere desire for change and a willingness to submit to every requirement for forgiveness. Number two, abandonment of sin. This is an unyielding, permanent re- uh, resolve to not repeat the transgression. By keeping this commitment, the bitter t- aftertaste of sin need not be experienced again. Number three, confession of sin. You always need to confess your sins to the Lord. Uh, if they are serious transgression, transgressions, they need to be confessed to a bishop or state president. Uh, number four, restitution for sin. You must restore for as possible. Uh, you must restore as far as possible all that which has been stolen, damaged, or defiled. Willing restitution is concrete evidence to the Lord that you are committed to do all you can to repent. And number five, obedience to all the commandments. Full obedience brings the complete power of the gospel into your life. Uh, And then Elder Scott continues and says, I would add a sixth step, recognition of the Savior. Of all the necessary steps to repentance, I testify that the most critically important is for you to have a conviction that forgiveness comes because of the Redeemer. It is essential to know that only on His terms can you be forgiven. This makes me think of a talk by Elder Renland where he said that, actually I might have this right here, let me... Without the Redeemer, the inherent hope and joy... uh, Sorry, without the Redeemer, the inherent hope and joy evaporate, and repentance becomes simply miserable behavior modification. But by exercising faith in Him, we become converted to to his ability and willingness to forgive sin. And so, in echoing what Elder Scott said, Elder Renlund teaches us that without Christ, the steps of repentance, quote-unquote steps of repentance, the conditions of repentance, are just miserable behavior modification. But with him, it becomes powerful. It becomes protection. It becomes joy. Uh, The other thing that's just to me, awe-inspiring about the Savior and how the gospel works and has and has match, matchless love and is that as we have faith in Him and we turn to Him and we begin to repent, He gives us a greater ability to repent. He gives us a greater ability to overcome our sins. He aids us and assists us. He doesn't say to us, you do all of this and then I will forgive you. He says, come to me and I will help you become a better person. I will help you overcome this. Not only will I forgive you of it, not only will I not remember your, remember your sins no more, but I will be there. I will 
give you myself, my heart, to make you a new person, to make you a better person, so that you can overcome the the sins that do that easily beset you. And it uh, as we become a better person, we then have greater faith that we can go to Him and receive greater power. And now, with that greater power, we have greater faith that we can go back to Him and get greater power. And it's this it's this cycle that is self perpetuating if we let it be. Okay, so we have talked about the signs and the very specific signs that Samuel the Lamanite prophesied about the coming of the Lord. Why? Why did he do that? Well, he tells us in verses 12 and 28 and 13. So I'm going to go to 12 and then 28 and and back to 13. So he says, And also that you might know of the coming of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, and that he might know of these the signs of his coming. So this, he says, I, ca- I came to you in verse 11. He, I came so that you can know the conditions of repentance and so that you can also know Christ. So you can have faith in him so that he can help you in repentance. And then he says, and I'm telling you the signs to the intent that you might believe on his name. The signs are there to point them to Christ. Okay. Verse 28 says, And the angel said unto me that many shall see greater things than these, to the intent that they might believe these signs and these wonders should come to pass upon all the face of this land, to the intent that there should be no cause for unbelief. He was giving them such specific signs so that when they saw them, they would have no excuse not to believe. They They would have to believe because it was so clear. And now let's go back to verse 13. So what's the point of that? What's the point of the belief in him? To the intent that they might believe on his name. And if you believe on his name, you will repent of all your sins, that thereby you may have a remission of them through his merits. He wanted to create faith unto repentance. That's what, that's what this was all about. That's why Samuel was so specific. That's what he was preaching. He told them to repent, but then he said, I'm going to tell you these specific things, these prophecies, so that for those of you who are listening with your minds and your ears and your heart, I'm going to tell you these things so that when you see them, your faith will be built. For those of you who aren't listening, it will be to your greater condemnation because it will be so clear. So pay attention and listen because it's if you will allow a place for this seed, if you allow a small place, then what I'm about to tell you is Samuel speaking metaphorically here. What I'm about to tell you is going to will allow you to build your faith unto repentance. Now back to verse 11 where he says he came to teach them the conditions of repentance. Well, how did those conditions of repentance be possible? Okay, uh, so I'm going to try to connect a few thoughts here. Uh, so remember, I read five things from... Uh, Elder Scott was quoting President Kimball, and it was sorrow for sin, abandonment of sin, confession of sin, restitution of sin, and obedience to all the commandments. And Elder Scott kind of called those the conditions of repentance. And then he added the recognition of the Savior. Well, we've kind of talked about that already, but in verse 18 he says, well, sorry, I got a back step here. Verses like 16, 17, and 18 well, 16 and 17, he talks about the Christ, that Christ has to die. He's going to come and he has to die. And then in verse 18, he tells us why. And it, meaning the, the atonement, the, the sacrifice of Christ, bringeth to pass the condition of repentance. So as 
Elder Scott said, I would add a sixth step, recognition of the Savior. Of all the necessary steps to repentance, I testify the most critically important is for you to have a conviction that forgiveness comes because of the Redeemer. That's what Elder Scott said. What Samuel teaches us is that it's because of Jesus Christ that the first five steps that President Kimball gave us, sorrow for sin, abandonment of sin, confession of sin, restitution for sin, obedience to all the commandments, that those conditions of repentance even is possible. And bring it to pass the condition of repentance. That whosoever repenteth the same is not hewn down and cast in the fire, but whosoever repenteth not is hewn down. Uh, so Samuel teaches us that it is only because of Christ that, that repentance is even possible. He also teaches us that physical death is overcome because of Christ. He teaches us that our first spiritual death, meaning that we are out of the presence of God right now, uh, as a condition of the fall, is overcome free of charge, free. It's a free gift for all. So overcoming physical death, free for all. Overcoming this first spiritual death, free for all. He then calls it a second spiritual death, but that is conditional upon our repentance, and he makes that clear, he makes that very clear. This has, uh, if you want a companion study to know about more about physical death, the first spiritual death, and the second spiritual death. Alma chapters 40 through 42, which we studied a few weeks back. Great. They, they go hand in hand. Um, but Samuel, I think, explains this very well about the second spiritual death. And that's what, we, that's what we are trying to overcome through our repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. All right, so the end of the chapter, uh, I've already read verse 28, where he says that the reason he was giving these signs is that they're should be no cause for unbelief. And this to the intent that whosoever will believe might be saved, and that whosoever will not believe a righteous judgment might come upon them. The Lord wants us to be judged righteously. And the way that we can be judged righteously is if we're given everything that we need to to be given. We we need to be all things that are given. We need all things that are expedient so that we have uh we're aware of our choices. We know right from wrong. And then we're free to choose. This goes back to my the original, the main episode, the overview episode this week, talking about how the Lord invites us, withdraws, and gives us space to choose. He gives us the information. That's what Laman, or I keep calling him, that's what Samuel is saying. Is I'm giving you all this information so that you can see when it comes true. And so you will know that I'm a prophet of God. You will know that Jesus is real. You will know that you need to repent. Now, whether or not you do that, it's up to you. But if you don't, you'll have a righteous judgment because you'll know plain as day. It'll be black and white. And so the fact that everyone can know doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will choose. Isaiah, and other in other places, but it comes from Isaiah is the place that I, I know it from. Um, and then the other places I know it from are quoting early Isaiah. It says that, t- teaches us that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, right? Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. That does not mean that everyone will follow him. It means that everyone will have enough knowledge and information to know that he is Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah. But we all still have our, that doesn't take our agency away. And now remember, remember, my brethren, that whosoever perisheth, perisheth unto himself, and whoever, whosoever doeth iniquity, doeth it unto himself. 
For behold, ye are free, and ye are permitted to act for yourselves. For behold, God hath given you unto you a knowledge, and he hath made you free. He gives you the knowledge, and that that knowledge makes you free to choose. Without the knowledge, you're not even free to choose. You have no choice without the knowledge. But he gives us that knowledge. Samuel gives us such specific prophecies so that the people would have that knowledge, so that we would have that knowledge too, of Jesus the, being the Christ. Go back to what I said in the in the overview chapter about how does... How does um, uh, the, this, these chapters fulfill the purpose of the Book of Mormon? Well, Samuel is very clearly trying to prove unto us and convince us that Jesus is the Christ. And now with that knowledge, he says, you've been made free. Now make a choice. Choose how you act. Choose to remain in iniquity or choose to repent. Choose iniquity and wickedness and misery or choose repentance and protection and joy he hath given unto you that you might know good from evil and he hath given that you might know, choose life or death and you can do good at, and you can do good and be restored unto that which is good or have that which is good restored unto you or you can do evil and have that which is evil restored unto you it's, we have a choice we have agency God, samuel just lays it out there for us all right that's a uh, that's it. That's it for chapter 15. I appreciate you listening. Um, Samuel, in, as we've, uh, I, what I hope you see this week is his uh, persistent call to repentance. And it's a call that as echoes Elder Renlund's words that I that I read earlier in this episode, and that is that uh, repentance is only possible through Christ. And he also echoes the words of Brother Owen that repentance is always positive. He didn't come to scold the Nephites and say, you need to repent and go through this hard thing of repentance so that you can be miserable. No, you need to repent because I want you to have joy and that's really the, the message of Samuel the Lamanite. Uh, I hope you'll join me next time. Thank you for joining me. Uh, next episode, we will discuss chapter 15.